Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you. Wasn't the worship this morning really good? I think you guys came prayed up and ready. We're talking about allegiance to Christ in an age of rivals. I told you I was going to be talking about certain things today, tomorrow, and the next time I'm here in a few weeks, keeping this thing going. I'm also, I also mentioned to you I'm not talking about the most important values in the kingdom of God, but I'm talking about values in the kingdom of God that very few people are going to talk a lot about that are crucial to your everyday life. I'm coming not as the philosopher, the theologian, but as the practitioner, right down kind of where you live. So today we're going to talk about, uh, well, I think we're going to talk about it. Here we go. Going back to our passage that we were launching from, John 17, 15, where Jesus said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You are not of this present world, though you and I are in this present world. So today we're going to talk about expressing kingdom values through my speech. It's amazing that I get to give this after the after the, the morning after our president gives his State of the Union address. If you don't think speech and words are important, you should have listened to the critiquing after last night. Uh, just his closing remarks exploded all over the internet. Uh, who in the world is go get them? Uh, what does that mean? So he off the cuff dropped something, and now everybody's scrambling to try to figure it out. Words really matter. But nowhere is the power of words understood more clearly than in the Bible. God spoke creation into existence, and that very gift of speech that you and I speak is a part of being made in the image of God. Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God and salvation, and the gospel is you and I putting into words the redemptive act of Jesus on the cross. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. You possess many treasures, but you have no greater treasure than the vocabulary that exists to express great thoughts and feelings. This ability to communicate with words is a gift from God, which gives our words a certain sanctity. And how we use that gift really does matter. So let's see what the Word of God says. I can only give you just a, a short number of passages, but there are multitude of passages in Scripture. Let's just look at some of them. Here's the first. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock, my redeemer. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
You ever said something, you wish you could reach out and take it back, and you say, hold on, where'd that come from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from. The tongue is a big spoon that reaches down into the heart and just scoops out whatever's there. That's what this passage means. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Don't use foul, unwholesome, abusive language, Paul said. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that leads to godless behavior. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out. This defiles a person. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a list of explicit words to steer clear from. There is no such list. You won't find one. But what it does say, it says that profanity, filthy language, abusive language, unwholesome talk and crude joking should not be named once among those who call themselves Christians. Now, how do you squeeze that list of things and compact it into a succinct a number of things that we shouldn't be doing? Well, let's give it a try. The first is profanity. What in the world is profanity? Well, it's language characterized by irreverence. It's when we trivialize the name of God and show disrespect for God's name, for his people, for what is holy, what is beautiful, majestic, good, or even terrifying. It can be profane to use the language of hell and damnation. We are profane when we enter or fail to reverence God's holiness, his law, his justice, his image in others and enjoy his creation. That is profanity. Here's the second, cursing, vulgarity, dirty, or swear words. Language that is rude, crude, coarse, indecent, unrefined, offensive, inappropriate, and lacks sophistication. Examples. You're just going to have to fill in the blank this morning. Do I need to suggest it for you? The D word the F word, the S word, being very alphabetical here today, the word that has the S-O-B initials to it, the B word. And actually, if you want to go on the internet, you can fill in some more. This is just a short list. These are not the kinds of words that should be coming out of a Christian mouth. What about euphemisms? Euphemisms, what about them? What about those? It's a mild or indirect word or expression substituted for one considered to be too harsh or blunt. 
And so instead of taking the name of our Savior as a curse word, we just say, oh, geez, gee whiz. You don't have to take my word for it. Go look up any reputable dictionary, any resource, and they'll tell you that's what it is. What about the word darn? Oh, darn it. You know what that's a euphemism for? Got any idea? Yeah, you're right. What about by golly? What about gosh darn it? You say, come on, preacher, you sound like you fell off Noah's Ark. You, you sound archaic here. Did you come from another century? No. This is the most recent research I've done on this. It was done a good bit of it last week. The world is not afraid to say what it means because they know what it means. It's only the church that consistently makes excuses for this kind of language. They're the only ones upset by it. They're the, they're the only ones that complain when somebody calls them out on it. What about frickin' and friggin'? You know what those are represent? The F word. Is that the kind of language, you tell me, is that the kind of language that you and I ought to be tossing around, talking about, using? You say, ah, oh, come on, you know, maybe, maybe not in church or maybe not in chapel or maybe not in a classroom, but what about when we're in the locker? It's just, uh, it's just the guys, you know, after practice, can, can, we, can we toss out some stuff? You know, it's all, it's, got, <clears throat> it's called locker room language. Is it okay there? What, after, what about you girls that win a great basketball game and you're back in the locker room and you're really feeling great and you, you start tossing out some of this stuff? Is it okay there? What about obscenity? That's the fourth one. <clears throat> this is extremely offensive, lewd, filthy, disgusting language. Often pornographic or sexually explicit language. Did you know that obscene language is serious and every state in the union has laws on the books against obscenity? It's not protected by the First Amendment. Now, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about how we speak? Well, the first thing is the Bible teaches us that words have moral value. I'll never forget a, a kid that I had to discipline many years ago. I'm not going to explain to you, but some of his language got caught on, a, on somebody's recording device and they played it out. And he was in my office. The dean of students was there. They punched this little recorder and this guy starts talking. And I mean, it's the most filthy, vile, lewd language you could imagine. And he just looked at it. He stared at this little machine and he said, looked at me and he said, just words. Means nothing. Just words. Well, words have moral value. That's what the Bible says. Our actions and our words are a sign moral values. Lying, 
blasphemy, taking the Lord's name in vain, cursing. It's all examples in the Bible of sinful speech. The third and the ninth commandments sanctify oral communication with each other. So, taking God's name in vain is morally wrong. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what does taking God's name in vain mean? What does that mean? Well, it simply means, the word vain in the Hebrew means empty, hollow, nothing, worthless, or to no good purpose. It means we're using the name of God and Jesus Christ as throwaway words. Now, this doesn't mean we should avoid saying God's name as some do. It means we should be very careful how we use their name. God's name is holy. It has value. It's important. His name has meaning and power. Therefore, we should never use it with empty, hollow, worthless, vain ways. We're forbidden from taking God's name in vain, and to do so is wicked and worthless. We're forbidden to take God's name for our own gain in a self-centered sort of way. Let me give you some examples of misusing God's name. Number one, we talked about profanity. I've already given you some examples of that. When we take the name of God, we, we, we just say, uh, is that a habit around here of anybody? You know, you've heard them, oh, the little, uh, I see it a lot on Facebook, oh my, OMG. And of course, I hear a lot of people say it. And they usually say it when they're shocked about something or surprised about something. You say, oh, come on. Are, are you serious? Yeah, really am. And the only reason I'm serious about it is because this book is serious about it. And if, if it's hard for you to accept my word for it, you just go do your own digging and see what it says about it. Of course, GD is common. Or sometimes the name of Christ. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Use your brain here for a minute. Why in the world would someone coin the phrase, holy cow? Why in the, where in the world did that come from? Who would, who would think of that? What's the point? It is really stupid. Holy macaroni. Holy Moses. The connecting link there is holy. And holy is one of the most prominent characteristics of God Almighty. I'm just saying, think. So, profanity. And here's how you use it. But it's also, we take his name in vain when we use God's name for our own gain. Be really careful about this. How many have ever heard a televangelist promise, if you'll send me a hundred dollars, God will pour out blessing on you? Did you know that's taking God's name in vain? Did you know that's taking God's name and marketing it, trying to use it for your own advantage? When I was in college work, I was in a youth camp and I saw a student recruiter from another college there. And we'd had this amazing service where kids were coming forward and 
dedicating and rededicating their life to Christ, surrendering to God, accepting God's call. An amazing service. I saw that recruiter start working that crowd of young people and some really, really, a really sensitive, open-hearted, tender young lady that was there. I saw him go over and spread his hands like this and he said, I believe God is talking to me that you should be coming to our school. That's taking God's name in vain. It's, a, it's taking God and using Him as something to twist somebody's arm. I've had people look at me and say, well, I believe this is what God wants me to do. Totally contrary to good sense, common sense, Scripture, or anything else. I call it pulling out the God card. When they pull out the God card, arguments stop. Oh, this is God's will for me. God wants me out of here. God wants me to go back. God wants me to do this. This is what you pull out the God card, you're done. But let me tell you something. You better be careful about pulling out that God card. Because when you pull out the God card and you use it to get what you want, that's taking his name in vain. Talking or taking God's name to justify your actions. Ending a marriage is a really serious thing. Now, I know they end, and I, know the, I believe the Bible teaches there are biblical grounds that a marriage can end. But for someone who doesn't like the person they're married and says, I believe God wants me out of this marriage. I don't believe this marriage is God's will. I, I believe I, <clears throat> that's taking God's name in vain. The last way to take it in vain is hypocrisy. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? You and I are representatives of God. We are his image bearers. And when we don't live up to that image and we are hypocrites playing the role, but not living, not walking the, not walking the walk, just talking the talk. That's taking God's name in vain. Words have weight. They have moral power to lift up or to tear down, to help or to harm. That's why Paul said in several places in the New Testament, don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Use your words as an encouragement to those who hear them. He told Timothy, he said, avoid worthless, foolish talk. That just leads to godless behavior. Peter said, as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct and conversation. Talk like a holy person. <clears throat> Cursing, abusive, demeaning, and discouraging language is incompatible with personal holiness. God wants wholesome things to come out of our words have power. I've been asking some of the students that are on the front to give me some feedback on these series of messages that you're going to hear this week and the next time I come. I want feedback. I really, really want some feedback on all of them, but tomorrow will be a really strong one I want feedback on. And it's not for affirmation. It's for assessment. But affirmation is huge. Every person here this morning loves to hear affirming words. They love it. 
when I was a college student, I was aspiring, an aspiring minister. I wanted to, I wanted to go somewhere preaching the gospel. Just, of course, I wanted my life to count. And I remember one of the most prominent theology teachers in the school <clears throat> came to me one day after uh, we had a class in parliamentary law. And he came to me and he stand, I can take you to the very spot outside the Mom White classroom in the foyer of the student center. He looked me dead in the eye and he said, uh, Mike, you're going to make a great conference president someday. Now, I never was a conference president. It's college president, but not a denominational leader. But do you know what those words did to me? Well, my frame grew an inch. It just... Entering a little story this morning. In the 50s, it was common in educational circles in elementary schools to give all kinds of tests. One was a hearing test. And the teacher would give the students hearing test. They would go over by the door and they would close their, uh, put a finger over the ear that was facing the classroom. And the teacher would whisper something in their ear and often the sky is blue, the clouds are white or whatever to test their hearing. A little kid named Mary in that class, fifth grade class, Mary was used to being different. She had a cleft palate. That's back before the days of easy surgery. That meant a very crooked, scarred lip, a twisted nose. She'd been made fun of all her life. She was different and she knew she was different. And the sad part about it that she couldn't hear out of her left ear. And that was going to be the ear to be tested. However, the teacher knew all of this. And when Mary went over by the door, she couldn't, she knew that if I put, she had to leave her good ear open. And so instead of closing it off, she held the hand outside so she could actually hear what the teacher said. And you know what the teacher said to Mary that morning? She knew she was feeling strange. She knew she was sort of ostracized. She knew all of those feelings. The teacher went over and whispered this into Mary's ear. She said, I wish you were my little girl. Mary said later, those words changed my life. Nobody had ever wanted me before. Words are powerful. You be careful what you say to your classmates. You be careful what you say to the people in the dorm. Words that are said in anger in a dorm room or in a locker room have crippled some people for years. And on the flip side of that, positive, uplifting words said in the right setting have changed the course of life for some people. Words are powerful. What does the Bible say about words? Well, the second thing is it says that Christians are called upon to speak differently than the world of unbelievers. We don't use their language. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Acceptable words are those that communicate truth and edify one another. They're not poisoned with untruth, negativity, discouragement, and criticism. They lift one another up. Psychologists have done test after test after test 
and they can tell you, you put a couple, you can put couples in a room and get them to talking to each other, play acting, even anger, communication, and they can almost predict the ones that are going to divorce eventually by the way they speak to each other, the tone of voice, the roll of the eyes. The regular use of demeaning, unwholesome profanity and vulgar language is a sign of some dysfunction inside you. I think it's a sign of deep anger. If there's a student on this campus, and I hope not, but if there is, that constantly uses negativism, criticism, vulgarity, cursing, you need to look at that person differently and say, "Uh uh-oh, something's broke. There's some serious dysfunction going on inside of them. Most of the time, it's anger. Profanity is almost always used in conjunction with the emotion of anger. Now, our goal, my goal in this series is to embrace kingdom values rather than the values of this present world. This present world doesn't teach me how to talk. I'm not listening to what they say to determine what I'm going to say. I don't respond like they respond. I don't behave like they behave. I'm a part of God's kingdom. I'll never forget, and I hate to bring up politicians and politics because it's all a bunch of rubbish. But I'll never forget when former President Trump was caught on tape saying some really terrible things about women. I was blown away by Christians on Facebook defending that. I mean, men of God would say, well, that's just locker room talk. Who hasn't said it? I'll tell you who hadn't said it. Number one, my dad, who wasn't a Christian for many years, I never heard a nasty, smutty curse word ever fall out of his mouth. And I thank God, my boys, my two sons who are grown with their own families, have never heard a slanted, smutty, dirty, nasty word fall out of their dad's mouth. So there's at least two people in the world who've never done it. And I got a feeling there's a whole lot more. I don't accept that rationale. I don't accept that garbage. Our language is sanctified. We are God's people. We don't talk that way. Now, what about my words? Ask yourself these questions. Do my words profane God? Do I exercise profanity? Do I actually take God's name in vain? Do I consider it worthless? Do I use it for my own good? Do I use it to maneuver? I just got a phone call recently. Someone in my denomination, I'm retiring from a particular position. I'm termed out in our denomination. And so they want me to take another one. And this is how they opened the conversation. They said, uh, here's a God word for you. Here's a God word for you. 
I don't care how you, how you get up the ladder. You shouldn't be tossing God's name around. I don't do that. Has God ever spoken to me? Oh, yes. Has God ever said some things very, very clear to me that I was very sure about for someone else? Oh, yes. But I don't go to them and say, here's a God word for you. I go to them, I try to go to them in deep humility and say, you know, I believe I've prayed for you and prayed about this. And I believe the Lord has impressed on me this. I could be wrong. But here's what I think. That's how it's said. Don't use profanity. You say, are you de-Christianizing anybody here on campus that uses profanity? Thank God that's not my job to de-Christianize anybody. That's his job, not mine. I'm not doing that at all. What I'm saying is, there may have been some learning curves. There may have been some training somewhere you've just missed. And so today is a little bit of an open door and an open window. Don't use God's name in vain. Number two, are my words crude, crass, vulgar, indecent? Ephesians 5, 4, no. What do my words say about my heart? Ask yourself that question. If something's coming out of my mouth all the time that's just incoherent or inconsistent, incongruent with how a Christian ought to behave, what's it saying about my heart? And number four, are my words good for others? So here's a, here's a filter. Here's a values filter for my speech. We have filters on everything. Coffee pots, computers. Why not a filter? Why not a values filter for speech? Well, here's one. Do my words have age? Do my words have appropriateness? Do they align themselves with Scripture? Are they appropriate? Do my words have grace? Are they enabling, strengthening? Do they, do they edify the body? Do my words have E, edify? Do they encourage? Do they lift? Are they coarse? Are they crude? Do my words have age? Before you speak, ask yourself, do my words have age? And back again to where we closed yesterday, what are the marks of a Christian's way of life? Three things. I gave them to you yesterday. They're going to give them to you today. You're going to see them again tomorrow. Ownership. Do I belong to God? Lordship. Is Jesus Lord over all? Citizenship. I belong to a different kingdom. That is a huge values filter that I have to sort everything through. Ownership, God owns my mouth. Lordship, he's Lord over my mouth. And citizenship, I, don't, I talk like people in the kingdom of God, not like this present world.
Do words matter? Oh, yes, they do. Do we stumble? Do we offend? Yes, unfortunately we do. But that shouldn't be our regular practice, our daily practice. We should ask God to put a watch on our lips. And God can and will do that. Lord, do you own my words? Or are you Lord over my words? And do my words fit within your kingdom? Now, today is supposed to be lunch and learn, but that's been moved to tomorrow. Uh, I know it was, it was sent out to you in, in writing, or it's announced that way, but uh, can't your campus pastor, spiritual life director, I'm not sure I forgot the right term, but it's one, all, of those, all of the above. Uh, we're going to do it tomorrow, and for a special reason. I think we'll finish the first part of this series tomorrow. And I value your input. I'd love to have lunch with you. I'd love for you to sit down and say, look, and here, here, here's what I want you to do. Assess it. Uh, say, help me with that. Or say, I don't agree with that. I'm not afraid of disagreement. Even debate. Uh, I welcome that. Uh, because what that's going to do, it's going to help me sharpen the communication, sharpen the point, sharpen the truth. All it does is sharpen truth. And there's a chance I could be wrong on a, on a point. And I sure don't want to talk about wrong things. I want to be right on the point, And you can help make that happen. I'd love to hear your feedback tomorrow at Lunch and Learn. Let's stand. Let me, <clears throat> oh, and let me warn you. Let me warn you, I, 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 get, I enumerated several things I was going to talk about, and uh, tomorrow's not sexual purity. Uh, that's not tomorrow. Tomorrow is, does God care what I wear? Does God care about fashion? Does He care about what a person wears? And I can tell you what the present, this present world says about that. You know what they say about that. But does the Bible say anything about it? Does it? You look very, you're, you're not shaking your head one way or the other. Your favorite color is plaid, right? Uh, does the Bible say anything about it at all? You're not going to commit. <laughs> well, let me inform you. It does actually have something to say. So tomorrow we're going to talk about does God care what I wear? And don't sweat, not passing out rules. You won't, you're not going to hear any rules. You're not going to hear wear this, don't wear this, do this. That's for the, they, they can do that in their handbook. That's not what I'm doing. I'm talking about values and principles. And then you and the Holy Spirit have to draw the lines from there. I'm not going there. It's not my business. But we are going to talk about those values and principles, okay? Father, thank you for all that you're doing on this campus, for what you're doing in all of our lives. You're molding us and making us into your image. And I'm so grateful for that. God bless every student on this campus and help every one of us to live in the kingdom of God. For Jesus' sake, amen. God bless you. 
We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.